0: All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. As you know, faith is a complicated thing, and this journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and I am also on this journey of becoming. I am dedicated to inviting you into my story and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. I want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey. I want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. I have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of faith's biggest allies. I have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And I believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining me on that journey. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast, and today I have something fun in store for you guys. The name of the game is 20-ish questions, and so with me today is uh, my new friend, Todd Littleton. Uh, Todd was uh, volunteered by Trip Fuller (laughs) Uh, after the initial, uh, the first ever 20-ish questions, uh, we know what that last question is. And Todd, you were who Trip recommended. And so welcome to the show. And uh, thanks for coming to play my game with me.
1: Yeah, Josh, thanks. It,
0: uh, if, if Trip's involved, it ought to be fun. I, <laughs> I agree. I agree. And so here, just before um, I ask, start the twenty uh, the official 20-ish questions, I'll ask sure, you uh, sure. one question before we jump in, just so uh, people are a little bit uh, okay. just familiar with you. So. Todd, if you could just uh, introduce okay. yourself, uh, let us know who you are and, uh, what you find yourself doing. Okay.
1: Uh, Todd Littleton, I, I live in, uh, what we call flyover country uh, here in Oklahoma. Uh, I'm, I'm an Oklahoman, uh, uh by, by birth and lived here all but, uh, oh, about 10 years when I spent time in Texas, getting a couple of degrees, uh, pastored a church, uh, there, and then was, a uh, my first staff position was there. Um, I've been at the church I'm at for almost 30 years. Um, so I've, I've beat the national average uh, by 10 times at least. Um, and so uh, let's see, what else? Oh, I, uh, I can't leave out. I just celebrated my 40th uh, wedding anniversary, and um, I've got four grandkids, um, and, and they are a ton of fun. And uh, and I just I I still I still pastor actually um, I've probably had a, a lot of rethinking along the way, Josh, uh, and that may show up here in some of your questions. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I take kind of uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, uh, little title from his book on the songs of ascent, a long obedience in the same direction, and feel like that's been kind of the um, aim here.
0: Sweet. Well, thank you Todd again for hanging out. Trip uh, has said a lot of really nice things about you and you have come up in conversations in the past, not just on the uh previous 20 uh Hughes episode. So I'm excited to uh to finally get to meet yeah. you and uh have some fun. All right. Well, so uh originally I, we were so we were talking a little bit before uh we started recording here and um um, make sure I get the name right. You had started a podcast called Pathological uh, that mm-hmm. you were doing uh, stuff with for a while. And then also you've been connected with crackers and grape juice and doing some things with them. Is that right? That's correct. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right. Well, with that in mind, then let's uh, go ahead and jump in. Question number one, when you started Pathological, uh, why did you do that? <laughs>
1: Well, um I had done a little lectionary podcast. So um if anyone's familiar with, you know, Baptists, particularly Southern Baptists, we we uh, uh most uh don't follow the lectionary. And I had discovered that by meeting new friends outside of my my tribe and um normally it was preached through a book uh uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and the Bible study on wednesday night. and uh, and so I got to the place where I thought, well, let's let's do something different. I really had come to um, spend a lot of time listening to Tripp's podcast uh, back in the day. And I thought, you know, the idea of uh, reading a book and and talking to the author was was pretty intriguing. and uh, by virtue of some friendships, like one of Trips, I got to meet a lot of authors, um, a lot a lot that became friends. Uh, there are several others who were kind of involved in my getting to, uh, you know, quietly meet people that I had read or read about. And so I thought, well, let's just uh, let's just ask questions. And so I kind of started and then the whole rebranding thing came along and said, you better find your niche, you know, and so. Uh, No one can compete with homebrewed almost 15 years in the making, you know, and goodness, how many hours I can't even imagine. You're right. You can't, you know, 20 questions with Trip is uh, like 50 for me. I can answer 50 questions in the time Trip can answer 20. But uh, nonetheless, um, uh, and so I kind of had a little contest. Came up with a couple of names and and my listeners uh, that, that that name kind of prevailed and and so I, I I set off and so I I was pretty active with that until maybe just before COVID and then just uh, my time in front of a laptop and that sort of thing just got to be uh, needed a break and uh, and so I. I took that, and I have just not found the uh, ignition switch yet to kind of re uh, revive that, but uh, have, have been pushed and prodded. And one of these days, the person most persistent is, is going to give up on me, so I'm going to probably have to hurry up and, and figure out what I'm going to do.
0: All right, right on. Good deal.
1: I don't think I told you what to do, though. So it's really just a mashup of – pastoral theology practical theology um i i just i you know I've, I've been doing this a long time i know a lot of people in my uh, group and and there's some i just it was like how could i get some new perspectives in places that some might you know be interested in It's so that was as another kind of ulterior motive
0: mm-hmm. nice i like it it's always i don't know it's always fun to to hear why people uh start podcasts um you know, I had some, you know, similar, uh, like, uh, what's the right word? I don't know. I, I also, I too thought it'd be fun to talk to some authors <laughs> and then ultimately, like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like rethinking faith has turned into, uh, Josh talking to the authors, uh, that he's reading currently and that he finds helpful. <laughs> it's kind of, and then yeah. other, other people wow. are kind of invited along for the journey. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. <laughs> Cool. All right, well here we go. Number 2. Uh what's the most embarrassing theological position that you have held to in the past? Most embarrassing.
1: Uh I I grew up uh in a, an era uh where I don't know if it was so much a revival of, but it was just certainly in the water. Um, a, a dispensational eschatology was is probably today one of the more embarrassing things. Now, I, I need to preface that by saying that, you know, um, it was uh, the late uh, Robert Weber who at the nearing the end of his life, he took the Canterbury Trail uh, out of evangelicalism and became an Anglican. And in his little book on the Canterbury Trail, he describes the fact that um, those who grow up in church are given a particular form of the faith. And then they spend a period of time questioning the particular form of the faith. And then at the end of it all, they arrive at a form of the faith that they find life-giving. It's not to say they get to change the story, but but what it is is that you know, um, some days you wake up and you go, yeah, I don't really think that that map and chart that I grew up with actually works. And so now you got to question that and come up with what's a better way to talk about um, how things um, will ultimately. Bring about the reconciliation and the restoration of uh, what's good, true, and beautiful. And so, um, I that today, that's you know, I, I, yeah, that's probably the most embarrassing mm. thing.
0: Yeah, eschatology was a big one for me. I remember reading uh, "Surprised by Hope" uh, by N.T. Wright in college and having it kind of break a whole bunch of things for me i always like to joke that my like deconstruction started by reading surprised by hope which <laughs> i don't think was N. T. wright's uh, intentions there but uh no thanks probably. tom <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> uh, i should have told him that i had him on the show once i should have told him that but i don't know if he would have uh found it as funny as i do um, <laughs> uh uh-huh. all right time so if you could go back in time what would you want to tell fifteen year old you?
1: Uh, I would probably tell fifteen year old me that um, the form of legalism that you learned is is death dealing. Uh, and so, probably should uh escape that as quickly
0: as you can nice that's a good one i like that language too. death dealing um i mean not that saying that (laughs) it's a good thing but i like the i don't know it's nice for some it it just peaked my uh antennas for whatever reason um all right so number four this one's a little bit uh more happy What's your favorite oh, church memory? Oh,
1: um, my favorite church memory. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, when you are a dinosaur, you try to figure out what era you want to point to. Um, And so... You know, I probably I'll go back to childhood, you know, even though I think there are a couple of things that, you know, I, I obviously have noted that, you know, I'd, I'd shuttle dispensationalism and I'd run from legalism. But but I think that, you know, the things that, that my, my fondest memory are, are really the people that invested in me. I mean, I mean, I, I can name them. Um, some of them are gone now. Uh, but um I, I grew up in a place and around a group of people that, uh, you know, literally con- considered me extended family. And um, uh, there's not so much of that anymore today. Um, even in church life, there's, there's not. We, there are there lots of reasons we could probably drone on and on about why that's the case. But I think it's one of the places where I learned, you know, I learned that there are people outside of your parents that care about your future and, uh, uh, are interested in what you're doing and, and they actually pay attention when you think that they're not, you know, and I think those are, those are kind of, uh, th- that's probably my fondest memory.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that. I can, you know, when I think back on, on, uh, church memories, that's probably one of my favorites as well. Um, and it's interesting too. I, I remember, um, just kind of noticing my, uh, internal relationship with some of these people shift over time as like, uh, at first, mm-hmm. you know, I, so I dealt with a whole bunch of like traumatic church stuff. And at first I had a lot of anger towards a lot of these people that had poured into me. Cause so I was like, you guys were feeding me all this bullshit and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then it kind of got, as I did a lot of healing and that shifted. Um, I just noticed that like internally that relationship, um, just changed, and it's I no longer have like that kind of like anger towards them, just more so this great appreciation for um them taking interest in me and and pouring into me and um recognizing that I wouldn't be where I am today without them so uh, yeah.
1: yeah, you know I, I was sitting in the garage I don't remember when it was with trip was out one time and we were just kind of chatting it up and and uh, um we kind of had the conversation about how, when we start rethinking things, how we kind of go through some changes that our initial response is sort of an anathema to what was, you know, and, and that the, the problem with that, he, and I, you know, trips just he's wise beyond his years some days, most days actually. And, and he, uh, he remarked that, you know, um we can't really fully embrace who we are if we don't appreciate every iteration of ourselves so um i mean you know i i think we do have to go back and distinguish ideas from people and that that what we learn at a point isn't someone's fault as much as it is is that's it's where we arrived you know um Jack Caputo uh, always remarks that um we, we often forget that born in another time and another place, things would be different. So when, when we start, you know, thinking about um, how to castigate and characterize our past, uh, past selves even, um, we forget that um, we, are, we are a sum of what we are. We aren't who we decide to get to pick and choose who we are. And I think the break that comes for many people is trying to not be what they once were. And, and instead of being embarrassed by it, uh, instead of being angry about it, it's better just to go like every everything grows. Every everybody grows. It, it, I mean, you don't you, it, we don't live in stasis. So let's let's just be honest with ourselves. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's beautifully said, man. Um, All right. So. I'm going to go from happy and flip it. And I'm going to ask what, what is maybe your least favorite church memory?
1: Well, least face church least favorite. Now this would have, this would have to be in, uh, in contrast uh, to my favorite. And, and so um, we had moved to a new um, place of ministry. And, um we had uh never really given um it's not a better way to, there's a better way to put it we had been very particular about um who our, our girls hung out with and i don't mean hung out with they were old enough to be babysat so you know you, you just your new parents they're they're young and 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 you you like you don't know people and so you you want to be pretty careful uh and, you know, obviously, you know, as time has gone on that, I hope that shows some wisdom rather than fear. Um, and so um, we had uh, split up, I had to pick some things up in another town, and my wife needed to go pick some things up in a different town. And, and, and while I knew where I was going in the area, I'd lived, uh, I I'd lived, we, we both kind of lived in that area, but I didn't, you know, was more familiar. And so she was dependent on somebody. And, Another another couple that said, "Hey, well, let's let's take one of the girls, you know, and and um, maybe both. I just think it's just one." And you know, hey, we okay, we'll we'll trust this time. And we did a, our rat killing to set up house, set up shop, you know, at the parsonage. And uh, when when my wife returned home, there was a note uh, from this person and it was chronicled every hour and minute that she stopped by to find out where we were. And she knew I had to go pick up a couple of beds about an hour away that we had we had bought. And then my wife was kind of dependent on transportation and she was at least a half an hour away, picking stuff up. It just took longer. And it was, that was weird, right? The weirder part was the night before. So that night, I'm in this study, church study, kind of getting ready, my mind ready and stuff ready for our very first Sunday. And I get a call that this couple wants to meet with me. And they they essentially said that, that um, we had taken advantage of them. And uh, I was like, you don't understand. I did not have to come here. Uh, I, I, w- I was at a place that I didn't run from. A uh, place that uh, uh, really liked us and hated that we were leaving, and here I am showing up, and you offered something, and now uh, you didn't, you didn't reveal your expectations, and I'm supposed to know your expectations. So that's probably, you know, was a <clears throat> was a an affirmation that some of those troubling times in church life come when someone has expectations for you, they don't tell you, and then hold you to them. And then get mad at you because you didn't fulfill them. And so that's probably, um yeah, my least favorite. Hmm.
0: Yeah, right on. I think there has to be uh, some kind of life lesson in there too on expectations, right? Because <laughs> I could see that. I could oh, see yeah. that playing out oh, yeah. in a wide variety of spaces. Oh, yeah. hmm.
1: Well, I didn't fulfill, I guess, other expectations. It wasn't long. Oh, uh, right, right on. <laughs> so, um, you know.
0: Uh, yeah, I accidentally not on purpose, but I accidentally uh, was the direct cause of uh, a couple leaving the last church I worked in um which I felt really bad about but uh I was doing like leading like a Bible study like an online Bible study thing. Um, and I forget what book it was, but something Gen- the story of Genesis came up and I kind of shared some thoughts on it um and I got an email later. And, uh, this gentleman was like, Hey, I was just wondering, um, you know, are you saying that you don't think Genesis is a literal story? And I was like, Oh, well, like, here's my opinion. Um, you know, and here's probably what pastor Mark might say, but, um, that's a conversation you can have with him. And then that, because of that, um, when I was like, well, here, honestly, no, I don't think it's a literal story. Um, they left the church because they're like, well, like, since you teach young adults and youth, like we can't be a part of a church where this is a thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I didn't mean to <laughs> scare these people off, but um, he asked my opinion and I guess I was a little bit too honest. Maybe I didn't uh I wasn't maybe I wasn't quite as pastoral as I could have been. Um like, I don't know. But anyways, um this is a bit of maybe a fun question or difficult. I don't know. Uh if you could remove one book from the Bible. What would it be, and why? Hmm.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I probably would gonna, probably gonna go with my reaction toward what I think, you know, one of the most embarrassing things I uh, have believed. I probably, I probably, t- probably asked the Book of Revelation. Yeah, and 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 chiefly because I, I um, in our era, um, the most misunderstood a uh, book that we think actually gives credence to particular coercive violent behaviors uh is misunderstood there and uh so if we could eliminate you know a bit of that, I know I know there's some Old Testament passages that people you know find problematic, but there's probably not been a uh more significant uh, uh book in the in the New Testament that that causes such great consternation because, um, at least in our neck of the woods, um, we just don't know how to read it. And, uh, and so, yeah, pro- probably would do, probably would do that. I mean, Scott McKnight, I think in uh, a little piece he wrote today, um, pointed to a fellow who, um, is taking apart dispensationalism and he had, he kind of highlighted a few of the points. And, and I think, you know, the, the fact that we don't read that well is, and then I fear that, you know, we don't read Ezekiel. And never mind, I could go on and on. But yeah, yeah. Revelation. Let's go with That's Revelation. But my final nice. Answer.
0: I think mean, it's a solid answer. That trip says, trip said Revelation as well. Uh, when I asked him, and I think there was like a pretty big fight to get Revelation even considered, right? Like during the canonization process, I at least recall something maybe about that. Um, there were certain people who weren't too fond of it. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you know, if you're going to be a Marcionite, uh, uh, Re- Re- Revelation is, is is a terrible book because then you can make up whatever the heck you want to. But if you're going to kind of read the Old Testament as the Old Testament as a Christian, even if you're going to read it as a Hebrew Bible, you're you're going to you're going to read Revelation entirely different.
0: So, yeah. all right, well, I'm going to do the old switcheroon again. And uh, so now that you've taken out a book of the Bible, uh, what one written document would you canonize and why? Um,
1: yeah, my tradition wouldn't allow that very much. So I've never even had that thought. Um, I, you know, I might, I might, I might, um, uh, what's the, uh, oh my goodness. The first century little book, uh, Tony Jones wrote, um, a little book about it. I was trying to remember if a fellow I just was over visiting at his house. I was trying to remember the name of it. Um first century document um i'm drawing a blank
0: i'm trying to look up uh tony's books Uh, see
1: it's a little one more recent probably one of his more i mean when i say recent i'm talking maybe the last five well actually i think it was out before then the dedicate. There we go. The dedicate. I probably would. I probably for me and kind of. I probably the dedicate. Sweet. And probably because it, it it's proximity hmm. and it 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 has it has fewer risks uh, of identification with a nascent gnosticism that that does tend to kind of show up in some of the other potential uh, documents, and so I. Uh, yep. Okay. That's where I'm going. Didicate. Sweet. Now I'm, about to, Solid I'm about to call that guy <laughs> and tell him, hey, it's
0: the <laughs> There you go. Take a note. <laughs> All right. So on this subjects of uh, written documents, what's your favorite book you've read in the last six months?
1: A uh, favorite book I've read in the last six months... Uh, I've never read uh, much of Robert Jensen, but a friend uh, introduced me to him, and I read his little book, um, A Theology and Outline, um, and his it's a, it's a compilation of his lectures uh, at I think Princeton. Freshman, sophomores about theology, and so it's it's um, he's a, well, I think he's a self-described not a very good Lutheran, but he's a Lutheran theologian is what he gets categorized as, and and uh, I I've read some, but not a lot in that area. So kind of again that branching out thing. Let's read widely, and um, and so I I found that that, that pretty fascinating. Uh, it's a quick read, short book, but fun thinking through how freshmen might kind of receive, you know, that and 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 then kind of consider what are some of the idioms and expressions that were used that that might translate well um in in communicating some thoughts and ideas that that you know we try to use in in uh oh you know, teaching and discipleship et cetera.
0: Sweet. Yeah it sounds fun especially I so I used to teach students um and so finding Uh, little tools um you know that were helpfully you know like even pedagogically um was always was always fun so sweet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right now this is this is a new question this was not in the original 20-ish questions Uh and this is one that i substituted in and it's actually from a patron listener of the show so philip shout out to you thanks for the uh thanks for the question here phil or Philip, I don't know you, so hopefully you don't mind, Phil. But um, <laughs> here we go. So, uh, and I did modify it a little bit. Um, so forgive me, uh, Phil, for that. But here's the question: Do you believe in aliens? And if so, what are the theological implications?
1: Yeah, you've been talking to my grandkids. Um, you know, I I honestly. Um, I just I don't know um, and so I'm going to default to uh, not striper as tripmite but I'm going to default to uh, the great Larry norman who um, had a song and the lyrics went, if there's life on other planets, then I'm sure that they will know that Jesus, and I think it, it I, um, I don't remember the exact lyrical line, but it's, uh, they'd know Jesus. And, and so, you know, however it worked and whatever kind of arrangement you have in life on other planets or aliens, you know, I—I, I, but um, you just exceeded my pay grade. And so to ask, um, you know, what the theological implications might be for aliens um, man, I I would just, I would just have to think that um, Jesus would uh, uh, love them too.
0: Nice. Yeah, that, I think that question's fun. uh, Well, for a variety of reasons, but one of, uh, one of the reasons I think it's fun is because at least for me recently, I've been trying to figure out like, what does it look like to um make our or to do theology from a less anthropocentric perspective, um like a less people centered way of doing it. Um, because I think, you know, within the Christian tradition, like creation seems to matter. <laughs> and so like, what does it look like to kind of have theology that's not, you know, been like not as anthropocentric? And I think the questions of aliens is like a really extreme way, maybe uh we can push that. So Kind of fun,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't mind the question at all. Um, Phil, Philip, uh, hey, you got the shout out and you got the stomp too. So I, th- I think what, what one thing I, might kind of just interject is, is that, you know, the the realities are we create our own aliens. Um, so that if we're going to talk about theology from an anthropocentric, anthropocentric perspective, a human perspective, the truth of the matter is, is that in our um subtle inclinations to be godlike, we choose our aliens. Uh, and since we live in a you know, me against you world, all all of you are aliens. And so i can I can alienate any segmented group of the population that i want I want to, and then I can be dismissive of that. I can say, well, they're you know aliens just not allowed. So, I mean, I think that question can can, you know, um, help us range um, kind of within the context of uh, uh, an anthropocentric uh, kind of idea, because it it, it lends a rupture if we are open to uh, the realization that um, our ideologies are empty when we have decided to alienate all others. But people. like Yeah, no, (laughs) I love it.
0: I. Well, often on the show, I, I talk about like what I've called it, like the myth of separation. Um, and one of the things I talk about is like when we believe that we're separate from each other, um, like that's one place that sin can arise. Because if I believe I'm separate from you, then I can treat you poorly, I can be racist, I can, you know, whatever. Um, so I dig it.
1: No, yeah. that's right. Yep.
0: all right well that was number that was question number 10 on the list so we're of 20ish questions we're about halfway there
1: <laughs> doing See, good I know I I know how much time it took for trips podcast so I've been watching my little clock here and I'm staying under the oh nice
0: chair. there we go no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh, here we go uh and so this is a question that' I will, uh nuance a little bit um uh, thanks to Trip. But my original question was if Jesus appeared before you visibly what one question would you ask him. And then Trip asked are you talking about the historic Jesus or the risen Christ? And so you can either give both or you can choose which one you would like to answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, that would that would require me to get into to uh Trip's Christology. So I think I'll just um I I just say what's one question um What's one question I would ask the risen Jesus? Um, hmm. Had I not read Jeremiah, a little bit of Jeremiah this morning, and that's not a Bible juke or a Jesus juke, but there's a line, you know, that that essentially uh, uh, Jeremiah gives from the Lord um, that— God has loved Israel with an everlasting love. And then the second line is that, um, um, therefore, he has determined to be faithful. And, and so the, the, the faithfulness of Jesus is predicated on his love, not our performance. And I would, I would just say, like, what were you thinking? We are like, look at us. You know that would be that way, and I I know that I know the answer to that, but I'd like to hear it. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to have my ears soothed with the realities that uh, the self-giving, other-directed love of God uh, includes even. And then fill in the blank, because there is there is I think what, uh, yeah, what question I would find, I don't I don't need a, you know, a terribly complicated question I. I can be kind of awed by it. just that simple. What were you thinking? I
0: like it, that's <laughs> a good one. That's a question my wife asked me all the time. What were you thinking? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all right. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, Todd, what um are your three favorite podcasts? And you can't include ones that you're a part of, okay?
1: Well, Homebrew Christianity is one of my favorite. Um, I'm I uh I used to have occasions where I had longer listening segments, so like if we could cut out the homebrewed intro that lasts about like forty five minutes and get to uh the uh, guest and and I, I could probably get those in, but I get one started and I got man i I need to finish this, but I'm an old man, I can't stay up any longer. Um, uh, but I like homebrewed um and um let's see i I regularly listen to um well, I probably should look up which what I because I got a ton that I listen to, you know, but I in terms of what 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 kind of gets my ears most of the time, I actually am a, a closet fan or a public fan of the Bulwark podcast. It's a political podcast by uh, some guys who. Um, uh, ended up being a bit displaced from their kind of original original long history connections with a particular party and uh and so i listened to that one and then um what else? i'm looking through here god i've got can you have too
0: many i my podcast feed is also loaded with stuff
1: I <laughs> mean and, and, and there's only so many hours right day. um Let's see. Let's uh I haven't listened to that one enough to call it one. Uh oh, I like I like uh I like the Bible for normal people. Uh I I like Pete Ends. Uh I had him I interviewed Pete um uh, some time ago and I uh I, I like Pete. And and so yeah, well I'll go with that. That's where I'll go. Nice. Those three, Homebrew, homebrewed, uh wild for, wild for normal people in the bull. Awesome.
0: So the only one I haven't listened to is is Bulwark, uh, mm-hmm. but that's just because I don't really listen to political stuff too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. But, I I don't listen to beyond beyond. Yeah, that. that's just. I mean, there are a couple of others, you know, that I listen to an episode if someone sends it to me, but but uh no, no, that's there
0: we go. All right. Well, I'm gonna get uh perhaps a bit personal. So can you tell me about a time you felt the most connected with the divine?
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, most is a relative term. So um, I would say that From the point at which in, I was probably a senior to, say, my sophomore year in in college, I would say from that point forward upon the discovery that um, uh, God's approval was not determined by my performance. And so that ch- traces back to kind of a form of legalism that I was, uh, you know, steeped in. Um, I would say that I've always uh, kind of had this feeling that, you know, God's much more present than he had ever been because he wasn't turned off by my lack of performance. As for a most, um, yeah, that, that's what makes that part hard. Um you know, I've been in some I've been in some events where I've been surprised by. Um, so here we go. I, I, I'll i will give this uh, one of the times. And so this will maybe give some parallels to when these things kind of maybe occur and we could apply most to them. So about 20 years ago, 23 years ago, maybe um I was a, a fellow Baptist minister friend uh, invited me to a large pastors' conference. And, um, when I read, you know, kind of the lineup of who was there, and up to that point, I'd only been to my denominational events and uh, the speakers, you know, that were on kind of the approved list. And, um, so we went to San Diego to the National Pastors' Convention. And, uh, sitting there in a sea of thousands of ministers and watching um, the pre-session information go by on the screens where most of the jokes were making fun of Baptists. It was pretty disarming, and I I laughed. And and then, uh, in uh, at least a couple of sessions, the series of speakers, preachers, were so compelling and good that what had happened was all of my given sort of expected limitations from voices outside of my tribe were were so great and so rich and so good that it was like this, wow, there's a whole nother well we can drink water from. And and so in those moments there was like, wow, I I, you know, I I can say that I'm actually hearing God speak to me or or sense God's presence with me in these moments that I might otherwise um, have said, not possible, because we are the only ones that are right in the world. And that was, you know, kind of one of the beginnings of some unwinding and rethinking for me. And so I would say that most of the time when I find and um, and an encounter God in some of those unexpected places, those places where I, have often felt like, yeah, that's probably not where I'm going to kind of hear from the Lord or sense God's uh, presence or connection, as you describe it. I'm going to say those are the kind of been the, you know, the, those marks along the way. Probably most recently uh, was a, a trip to Israel um, a year ago last month, and I had kind of eschewed the idea of like, yeah, you know, big whoop, uh, I can read about it I got maps in the back of my Bible you know that kind of thing but but literally you know kind of kind of seeing things that you read about and proximities and locations and geography and culture um I can say that there there was this sense that man um, there there is something going on here um, that the atmosphere the 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 environment, environment, the the setting um was particularly uh awe inspiring. And you could say, I could get why this could be a place of such importance.
0: Mm. Yeah, thanks thanks for sharing. Um and then maybe so it's within the same vein, but perhaps a bit more uh difficult. Um could you tell me a time when you felt the least connected with the divine or sometimes referred to as like a maybe like a dark night of the soul kind of thing
1: yeah um i I'll, I'll 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 double dip and, and and say that um probably in that period from kind of the time I was probably maybe more earnestly paying attention to you know what was going on around me and faith and and life, um the moments where. I felt as though my performance had failed and that uh, talking to God was like um, shooting uh, toward the ceiling and feeling as though it was rubber and it was just coming back with any without any kind of response. And so that was that was an ongoing, often um, adolescent, which that ought to tell you something probably about, you know, what was going on um, and some of the other reasons that I was unaware of at the time why. Um, And then I would say that in those moments where I was working through some something long held and realizing that uh, and maybe I kind of had missed it. Um, And so maybe maybe it could be attributed to a sense of embarrassment or how come I didn't see that or gosh, this has implications that I'm not ready for um, and th- those might be the moments that probably God was closer to me than I realized, but in terms of the sense or feeling connected was like, wait a minute, um, uh, like, I, I, how do, how do I go forward, you know, now thinking that maybe there's something a bit different than what I thought going on, and, and so, uh, you know, some of us are wired such that we, we we kind of need to we kind of need to know the agenda and what's on the calendar and what to expect and then when you know there's a rupture in that you're like ooh that's a seismic shift uh, who's with me you know kind of thing so yeah hmm.
0: yeah I man I don't know that's always a, an interesting one for me because I have had like. I guess probably one of the biggest ones for me was when I, um, like had first made the decision to step away from pastoral ministry, um, or was actively like maybe pursuing, thinking about doing that. Um, there was a pretty, pretty heavy season of kind of like a dark night. Cause, and I think it was mostly self-inflicted cause I really <laughs> was stuck in on this idea that I was like giving God like a big middle finger or something. And, um, right. you know, uh,
1: yeah, I get that. I I, I get that yeah. Right now.
0: Yeah. All right. Well here here's a question that when I was a pastor I got asked all the time. Right for it? <laughs> you might know what it is. But uh how far is too far? <laughs> ah,
1: how far is too far? Well you you've um you you mean you're talking to a guy who would go to youth camp and um the pastor would have a um set conversation with the boys and either one of the female uh counselors or his wife would have one with the girls and so you know there was always a a, a line a line drawn and their lines were way before most everyone else's lines uh were drawn um you know today um that's that's a pretty difficult question as a daughter of two girls, uh, now grown adults, you know we we pretty well were, you know, hey, there there are some tricky complexities to intimacy, and most of the time adolescents aren't uh, ready to handle those. Their bodies may be, but they're not. and their desires may be, but you're you're probably not really ready for that. so I, I think that. That um, uh, I'm I'm probably going to be a, a bit more conservative on that line. That um, uh, having now been a a pastor for these years and watched families make differing decisions, um, I would probably say that uh, yes, uh, most of our mores along those lines were uh, solidified in an era where adolescents got married. Um, And now that marriage is delayed to to between 25 and 35, sometimes even later, that poses a different sociological uh, problem and issue. Um, And uh, rather than sound like a relativist, I think we have to just take into account the complexities of intimacy and, um, you know, have conversations about that. So I would hate to say, you know, how far is too far, because the prior question is, is what are you ready for? Not how far is too far, because you can, you know, uh, depending on your uh, um, level of attachment, you know, a kiss can be too complex. So um, I might not have said that at 30, but at almost 60, I'm probably going to go ahead and say it.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's solid. I wish... <laughs> That's one of the things that I, I genuinely wish I had more, uh, honest and wise answers when I was asking those kind of questions as a teenager. Um, like you know, I think what you just put forth is is great, because <laughs> like for me, um, I whenever I was asked that question, I never knew what to say, um, and so I would kind of try to throw it into the realms of like this is a wisdom call. Um, and, and kind of like you're saying, there's certain implications and ramifications, um, that come with intimacy. Are we prepared for that? You know? Um, so that's kind of where I always went. And some parents liked that. Some parents wanted me to say, like, be more prescriptive, but I think the wisdom aspect, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, here,
1: here's what's, here's what, here's what's funny. Uh, Um, and not to pick on parents, but having had many, you know, the the truth is they know. Um, so what t- to ask is to find a scapegoat for when it doesn't go the way that they know it ought to go. So it's, it's a, it's a deferral and, and, and that's not wise as a parent, um, face the complex, face the issue, face, you know, talk about it, uh, have conversations about it. But, uh, you know, it, it was always fairly maddening that, that, um, you know, the expectation for our youth minister was always: you need to have that talk with them. Well, the well, heck no! Uh, now I could get arrested for having that talk with them, so um, not 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 happening. So it's time to bone up and parent, uh, euphemism intended. Um, and so I I think that's a um, I think that's yeah we we just we 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 can't outsource that and. Um, it probably comes from what Tripp says uh, as him being a youth minister much longer, much more effectively than I ever was. Um, that young people uh, internalize the psychoses of their parents. So you actually know how to unwind those for your own children if you'll pay attention to what they've internalized from you. And uh, and so we just don't have the time or take the time. Um, so we're, we're letting someone parent else parent our children most of the time anyway, and youth ministry is just another one of those
0: yeah I man well i'm I'm taking notes for when I'm a parent someday this is good stuff because <laughs> yeah I did I mean I did like looking back it it was kind of always weird that you know oftentimes uh so youth pastors tend to be younger, right so we have these like twenty year old twenty one year old kids um you know, depending on your tradition, most likely a male that they already are in like, peak sexual like craziness for themselves (laughs) and then to have them try to teach like middle schoolers and high schoolers about this is just (laughs) mind-blowing it's like
1: it's mine it's it's like i'm
0: asking that question for myself right now i'm trying to figure this out (laughs) why i can't tell them about this i don't know (laughs) right that's right yeah oh man man. yeah actually see, this is a an anecdote i'll tell (laughs) them i'll jump to the next question but i remember um uh so the last 20 ish questions uh listeners if you remember i told a story about this thing i used to do called chrysalis uh which was like a high school youth retreat and um we would have this panel um of people there was a single life talk a dating talk and a marriage talk and then like people could ask honest questions to this panel of people and one of the gentlemen giving the single life talk They asked him, one of the students asked, like, so for you as somebody who is single, how basically something along the lines of like, How have you kept your sexual urges in check? And he said, (laughs) he said, with not intending the consequences of this, he said, Well, I just keep my hands busy. And the entire dude to a room of high school students. And then as soon as he said it, his all color dropped out of his face. His eyes got huge and he realized what he just said and it was easily one of the funniest <laughs> moments uh <laughs> and like it just, uh, you know and the that. room he the it was lost like there was no coming back from it the room yeah, was yeah. lost like yeah. conversation over it was hilarious though <laughs> done done oh yeah, man right. his name was Ben so Ben if you ever find your way listening to the show uh you are loved my friend. uh you are loved <laughs> yes yes <laughs> All right. So, in so uh in line with the the name of the show, Rethinking Faith, uh what for you has been like what aspect of your faith has been the most difficult to rethink? Um,
1: difficult to rethink. Like um So um, in uh, quite a ways back, we had a season where um, our church uh, lost uh, four young people over the course of about 14 months, ages 3 to 16 or 17. And um, I... I faced um, that series, you know, barely able to come up for air, you know, and then the next event happened. And and they were all, you know, um, they varied in the cause, but nonetheless, they were all young people. And I found myself trying to console and be present in the midst of the grief and discovered that the they, they all had the same questions, and my answers sucked. And um, uh, that's a really uncomfortable place to be. Um, now I'm fairly comfortable, um, you know, all these years later, um, 20 or so years later, you know, with, you know, I, I just don't know. Um, that doesn't really qualify as an answer to your question, So what I can say is it 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 sent me on this Odyssey to tr- try to figure out um, how did do, how does how does God's agency work when my most of the theological underpinnings I'd been given and given were kind of standard, not fleshed out. Um, staples that that as I thought through them were were actually horrible responses and and so you know rethinking you know God's God's uh, agency God's activity what do we do with what we perceive to be inactivity what 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 can be what you know so. I mean, <clears throat> you know, um, color me process adjacent uh, uh, you know uh, if if that uh, that kind of helps if someone's listening and you know there's still some things about that that i I you know i I've I wrestle um a lot with, but I'm a much more comfortable um, trying to explicate a God who's actually present in the suffering as opposed to being responsible for the suffering? And most of the questions, the way we answered them was is you just don't know why, but, you know, is God's doing this to you. And I'm like, golly, it sounds terrible. You know, it sounds God doing this to you. So um I I've I've come to think that it's really better to say God's with you in it than God's doing it to you. And uh, and so that that you know that that's that takes you a number of places that get uneasy and uncomfortable that prompt lots of rethinking, but that's probably you know how to how to square um, uh, you know lived experiences um, on the ground realities um, and and dislodge just unhelpful responses often often wounding responses if in retrospect yeah
0: yeah that i mean a theodicy or like the problem of evil that was um that was a huge one for me that was less like i don't know it it was weird cuz that was one that i had that was almost like i had if i wanted to continue to somehow be a follower of this person jesus or a christian I needed an answer to this question that didn't suck, <laughs> and so that's kind of like how I ended, you know, up finding the likes of someone like Tom Ward. You know, I read his book called The Uncontrolling Love of God, and uh, that's where, uh, depending on who you talk to, that's where I went downhill. You know, started backsliding. But um, <laughs> no, but the, the theodicy and problem of evil question, I think, is is a huge one, and I, I think you're right. It's always so, um, it can get really messy trying to think about that and be honest about that especially um when uh like there are certain rules at play that one needs to follow uh within their tradition and such um yeah
1: yeah and if it's any consolation i've read just nearly all of. yeah tom's awesome (laughs) Um, and 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 you know i've i've had him on a couple of times um, and, and and i and and i you know i i think probably the you know resident resonant, uh, resistance to a full-throated sometimes i actually think the question is 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 not really even a good question honestly um i mean i think to be true to the scriptures the question of where or how uh, is 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 what problematizes all of it and and I don't know that I don't know that um, that's the question that should cause us to stumble. But it, it was it is and has been a big one for me. A lot of people don't have that, you know. But but in that context, you know, that has been. Um, it's just to me, it's it's in the narrative. It's it's already there. So looking for an explanation as to where it comes from or why it's there and that it's not given to us, it calls the question into question. So that's the other side of it that keeps me kind of wrestling the whole thing.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, if you still consider yourself a Jesus follower, which – if, unless I've like just drastically misread you in this whole conversation, I'm assuming you still consider yourself a Jesus follower,
1: (laughs) Indeed. but if you still
0: consider yourself a Jesus follower, why have you stuck around? Um,
1: so in one of those kind of rethinking moments, um, I, I, uh, you know, one of those where in in your like your description of dark nights, where you're you're really kind of faced with, okay, what it what about this stuff? You know, what about it? Um, you you still have to reckon, and 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 I think most try to wiggle out of this, but you still have to reckon with what you're hanging your heart on everybody does everybody hangs their heart on something and I can manufacture something and um, I'll eventually find out that that doesn't satisfy everything and um, and so I had to wrestle all the way down that um, challenge by a friend who, no longer would self-describe as a Jesus follower, but has been a conversation partner of mine for a long time. And to reckon with the fact that, so if if there are no metaphysical realities, would I, I still find Jesus worth following? And the answer was yes. And And so... Um, it wasn't kind of a rehabbing back to a metaphysic, but it was to say that so let's say my friend who's very close, very good thinker, what if he's right? Where does that land me? Um, and i'm I'm not a terrible fan of nihilism uh, and and so uh, as a result, you're gonna hang your heart somewhere. And so that's probably um, um, you know, a, a way to answer it on a number of levels. That if someone is listening, you know, that likes what you do, and I'm certain there are a lot, but still have a hard time thinking about anything beyond uh, the material. That um, they they probably should still remember that even in a materiality, you're hanging your heart somewhere, and what kind of person and, and and what you hang your heart on will dictate what kind of person you are. So uh, if you've not thought that one through, then you don't really care much about what kind of person you are. And if for those who still are listening well, that are Jesus followers, then I think that what we are, what we are saying is that there's a full-throated you know, commitment to this, this story that gives a promise. And the promise is a greater vision than just the reality that I'm I'm going to live a good life. But I want to see um, uh, restoration and reconciliation of all things. And as a consequence, then I'm I'm in for that show. And I think that's where we're going. So yeah. can hear you can you hear me
0: how about now good oh cool yeah. sorry about that i received so, mi- so i so i missed all that okay i know okay. i just i had a, a phone call came through and it threw like it oh, switched ah. and so i didn't know if you could hear that so i wrote down a note no. saying no. that a phone call came through so i can edit it out later or okay. marty can edit it out later <laughs> yeah gotcha the the good answer to your question (laughs) and now i will attempt to uh get my adhd brain to refocus and respond um yeah so so i like i love that the imagery of like you're always going to hang your heart on something um like one way i've been thinking or like saying it recently is that like even if you call yourself not religious, you're religious. You just worship different things. <laughs> it just doesn't look the same. Talked a little bit about that with uh, Sarah Lane Ritchie in a, a recent episode. Um, but for me, I like on my days where I'm having, like, say I have the the lowest Christology possible for Josh, <laughs> right, or something like that. Um, on my difficult days, it's almost a pragmatic reason for me that is basically backed up by what you're saying for me. It's like pragmatically I find when I live in the kind of ways that Jesus says, Hey, maybe this is a cool way to live. Um, I find that it makes people's lives around me better and it makes my life better. And, um, also I find Jesus deeply compelling. Um, and so on my bad days, right. Uh, when I I don't have very strong theological opinions or something like that. Um, It's the pragmatism, the the fact that I find Jesus compelling and engaging with Jesus and Jesus's teachings has made, it sounds selfish, but has made my life better. And I think hopefully (laughs) when I engage with people, it makes their lives better as well. And so like that pragmatism is the thing that I kind of hold to, even on days that... um, you know, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> which way is up? Right, 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 right. That's good. All right, let's see here. So, I, I also, unless I've completely misread you again, I know the answer to the the first part of this question, which is, do you attend church? Um, which you're a pastor, <laughs> and so my my question is similar to the 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 one about Jesus, but um why why have you stuck around in this uh institution we call the church
1: yeah um I, I i get asked that probably like you often um i i would say i'd say you know for a couple of reasons um what i like to say now is and, and it's it's purely um so so what i'm going to do is i'm, I'm going to give an answer about why why I'm in the denomination I'm in, and hopefully that will kind of help um, with that deeper kind of sense. So um, it, it, maybe it can be heard in two registers. So uh, I I was raised in a Southern Baptist church, uh, educated in Southern Baptist universities and seminary, and um, have been a lifelong Southern Baptist. But one of the beauties of being a Baptist is— um, In a low church, free church setting, your view of the institutional framework is not primary. And and so as a result, um, I'm not beholden to um, uh, ally with uh, a framework if I find it um, doing incomprehensible things, making unbelievable decisions. And so the focus has always been for uh, low church, free church people on the local church. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes that's a detriment because we isolate and don't find ourselves part of the great tradition, um, even though we are. Uh, but what that means is, is that when uh, a denomination um, ebbs and flows, when it moves toward you or away from you, you still have your, your church. Um, and and since, since that's the case, what we have found here is, is that we found a group of people that we love and love us and who care about us deeply and give us an opportunity to care and love them. And so um, it, in, in order to kind of uh, live out what you just described, that if we're going to f- follow Jesus and our lives are going to be altered in what we believe is a beneficial way, and the lives of others are going to be characterized by the recipients of grace and mercy, then um, what better institution to be involved in than one that, that uh, has that long history, full of its ups and downs, you know, like Luther said, she's a whore, but she is my mother. Um, we, we have to own the fact that the church is what we are. Um, the church cannot, by a definition of what it is, cannot transcend the people who lay claim to be part of it. And so the institution um, takes on a different meaning. Uh, it has to have more of a transcendent through time kind of framework. And so, yeah, today there are days when I read about some decision that's in question related to how um, far our denominations going to go in holding sex abuse uh, abusers um, uh, accountable and then how we're going to work restitution for those we've known about um, when there's some seemingly apparent uh, a potential obstacle to that, then I don't want to identify in any way. Um, but uh, I also know that out of all the number of people I know uh, who are so associated, they want something done. So I can hold hands with those, and I can resist those who don't, and it doesn't require our church to make a, a decision uh, in terms of uh, um, what we are or we aren't going to be now. There could someday come a point where we have to say you've 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 built a bridge too far away from us that we can't cross, But that will be the way it works. Um, and so um, one of the advantages of living where we live, we we actually are um, uh, able to be thoroughly kind of woven into the fabric of our community. Um, not in, in coercive ways, but in ways of service. So we've tried to amp- amplify and emphasize those to our folks, that this is what we're doing. Um, and I've, I've got lots of friends who've worked in a variety of nonprofits in the metro Oklahoma City area, and th- there's still always something missing. Um, and, and what I mean by that is they can't do everything. And so we find in them partners because we can't do everything but we can do what we've been given to do and uh, what Jesus uh, shows us to do. would keep us busy for more of our lifetimes than we've got. So we still stay at it. We still, we still stay at it.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. That's a, <laughs> another solid answer. It Because I mean, even just for me, the thing that I, I miss the most, um, and I've said this a million times on the show, but I the the deep sense of community. um that the churches that I was a part of provided even the shitty ones like the churches that I have only negative things to say about um that was it was never it was never the congregation um and it wasn't even always all of the staff it was a select few people who happened to hold all of the power <laughs> that could do whatever right. um so yeah I, I I don't know I I deeply miss that uh that communal aspect Um and i found it in other places, but it's, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I have found what I deem as sufficient community. My buddy, Jace, uh, who he was a Baptist pastor for a long time, actually. And uh, now he's, uh, i think he's in like the eco pres denomination or something like that. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But he always likes to tell me that, that my community is not as cool as, as church community. And he likes to push me in that way and push my buttons and, I always try to find snarky ways to, uh, push back on him, but, uh, cool. All right. Well, yeah, I,
1: I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I get what he's, you know, kind of pushing and, and, and that friendship and relationship, but you know, I, I would, I would probably try to unwind that sort of antagonism. Um, just, just, uh, always be open.
0: Yeah. You hear that Jace always be open. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he'll he'll uh, text me about that later uh, actually I am going to see him tomorrow I'm excited but uh all right so I have three more questions for you to wrap things okay. up okay. Um, this one is not necessarily an easy question so forgive me the other two should be a little bit faster but uh, where do you see Christianity in 25 years
1: hmm. well um... Yeah, it's hard not to answer that question without insinuating your hopes. Um, so I think the interesting thing that will happen, um, Christianity in America, so we probably need to kind of locate, uh, is that um, a a large number of uh, practicing Christians will no longer be with us and that will sadden a lot of people but we have to admit that it will also free us up a little bit because um you know whether it is you know expectations that have kept out sort of um other opportunities um other forms um they just, they won't be here. I mean, there's a chance I won't be here in 25 years, you know. So um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that um, I still think that it's true that the idea that the church will no longer exist is just a, a fool's dream. Um, I just think it will probably look different. Um, I wonder myself— um, if there won't be a return to, to more of a an organic um, local sort of emphasis as opposed to kind of the uh, current uh, domain of the regional um, supersized uh, version, uh, um, and um, I, I think those are are those forms are going to wane. Um, primarily because um, only a few seem to be suited for longevity in those settings. So um, we just not seen um, like there's not just this ongoing stable. We're giving we're giving, and this is, sounds ageist. I know, um, but we're giving young people who who don't understand the complexity and intricacies of um, dealing with multiple relationships. And, and I'm not meaning sexual. I, I'm, although some pastors have tried that. um, I, I mean, I mean in terms of um, in a given group, the relational dynamics increase exponentially as the size of the group increases. And what we do is is we we turn guys loose who've had uh, a staple and a stable staple of maybe the dynamics of a controlled small group. And then we say, "Man, you really are a great communicator, and you actually look good, too. So we're going to put you on a big screen with some cool music and fine bands and you know the expectations of you now are to be a pastor with people who with such a variety of personal, uh, re- of relational uh, baggage and skill sets, and I I just think it's, uh, I, I I don't think it's terribly wise, um, and and I think it's been borne out. I mean, I think there's more anecdotal uh, illustrations of that than not, and and so, um. I think that's. I, I don't think that will be the dominant look in twenty five years. Um, I, I don't think the other way though is is the way it's going to go either. We, I mean, how how many how long do you have to try house church before you figure out that, that that's its own psychophantic mm-hmm. wish dream, um, and that 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 doesn't work either. If it had those guys who really were good at it it would have made it out of California. Uh, and it didn't very well. So, I mean, maybe there'll be a day for it. Maybe they were just early forerunners. Maybe they were too early. I, I don't know. But I, I, I guess my rambling answer is to say, I, I think that I think the church will be here. It will just look different.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely, I, I, uh, lean in agreement with you. Um, and almost, too, because I think if it doesn't look different, then it will cease to exist. And I think that there's enough people that care um, that aren't going to let that happen. Uh, and I think, too, with, like you were saying, um, in particular, and I know it sounds terrible, but like when there's a particular group of people uh, practicing Christians. And like you said, once that just because of how they grew up, they're invited all that kind of stuff. Once they are no longer present, um I think s- some things could happen that could be positive <laughs> I don't wish I don't no, wish no, hateful no. things on anybody, but I think realistically, no, I think no. you know w- within the realms of that question it's it's uh it's more true than that um all right, here's perhaps a, a quick one for you what's your what's your favorite CCM band? My
1: favorite CCM band who my girls would have a heyday with this one. You know, I'm probably going to, um, um, wow, I haven't listened to much of that um, in a long, long time. I couldn't even tell you the currents. Same. I would have to to go back and... uh, um, I mean, in the day I liked jars of clay. I mean, that's if that's like
0: not way back at the way back in time machine. I know or, who that is, uh, and I'm only twenty-nine, so that has to count I, for uh, something. I <laughs> uh,
1: I liked Garmo and Key back in the back in the day. Um uh yeah, I mean, I really, I, I, there were a lot of the early stuff I, I really, I really did like. And when that, when the kind of the news started coming back, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I, maybe it's my ears, you know? Yeah, maybe it's my ears. I, I don't know. but uh, Yeah. Yeah. That, that's probably, those that probably
0: come solid. All right. Now you have Trip to thank for this question because this was his idea of a question that I just happened to add. Um, there we go. I thought I deleted all my questions. I freaked out here for a second. Uh, so here we go. Trip question. If okay. you had to get loaded with a member of church history, who would it be? And then at the end of that night, who would you, who's another member of church history that you would fight? <laughs> so you get loaded with uh, a member of I, I church history I I, and then you fight uh, another member. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think I think I remember you know y'all talking about that um wow uh, hmm member of church history um, maybe maybe um, I'm gonna go pre-reformation um, so maybe um, maybe Irenaeus or gregory all right i like uh, it <laughs> of uh and then who would i want to
0: and that can be so i'm like non-violent so that, that can be like you know theologically yeah. wrestle right. yeah. uh or yeah. if you want to yeah. go more yeah. so i did i'll admit i watched all of wrestlemania because i'm a nerd so if you want to go <laughs> if you want to go more that direction go for it you know if you have to well, I saw the announcement <laughs> that I think it, I, that two of the major
1: wrestling organizations have merged to create like a twenty-one billion dollar empire. It just it came out today. Yep, I guess.
0: WWE right. and UFC. So fake, fake, That's, you know, wrestling entertainment, and yeah. then the people who are actually yeah. destroying each other are now together. So they're <laughs> going to blur the lines. <laughs> there you
1: go. There you go. Um, uh, who, who, would I, who would I want to fight or have an argument? um wow i i i've on it. I, um i should this should be an easier answer i'm sure um jonathan edwards ah nice solid uh, yeah edwards i might have i might want to have conversation with
0: Edward. I like it. That's a solid answer. I i was just sitting here thinking too like trying to figure it out and uh you know who I would answer. And uh I don't know about the first part getting loaded part, but the argument part or like fighting, John Calvin comes like very easily to me for some reason. <laughs> um but then also if I go like modern day like I think I'd want to have a conversation with like Franklin Graham. Um Yes. Or I don't know. <laughs> that might... <laughs> and, and, I, and I might.
1: I'm. I might. I might actually prefer to have a conversation with Charles. Ah, himself. okay. An, an An argument with Charles. I might want to have an
0: argument. There we with go. Him, maybe. All right. Drunken, drunken um, arguments with Charles Finney and uh, <laughs> and, and frankly Graham. <laughs> uh. All right, Todd. Well, final, final question of uh of the twentieth questions. Um, you've been an awesome sport, so thank you. Uh, but who, so part of the deal is now you, you get to volunteer someone like trip volunteered you. Uh, so who might be somebody that, uh, you think, um, you know, a a podcaster that you think would, uh, you'd like to hear, um, try to play my silly game and answer the questions.
1: (laughs) I'll, I'll try to persuade him. He, he can be, uh uh maybe a little dodgy on these kinds of things but i I'd, I'd really like to hear Jason Michelli answer these questions I'd like to um i'll I'll introduce uh, the two of you but i I think I think that that would be and then and then another podcaster let's see um just in case let's see do I have a second podcaster here answer those questions hmm Yeah, he's not podcasting anymore, so I can't do that. Um, I'll have I'll have to think about a second alternative if we get turned down.
0: But all right,
1: let's go there, and I'll see what I can do.
0: We can um, always get uh, Trip is friends I'll, I'll, with is Jason too, right? Jason does uh, crackers and great juice. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So we can get oh Trip yeah, to try oh to ride yeah. him too. So they have double trouble. I'll send both yeah, of you after yeah, Jason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. We, we 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 can do that. Send you both that. after yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I tell you what, I mean, he—I don't know if he's podcasting. He's—he—he does a—he does a deal, but you know, Tony Jones would be pretty. Tony would be
0: a lot of, and he does—he so he has. Um, Tony does the uh Reverend Hunter podcast. Um, yes, so we right. Tony would be fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: Tony would be fun. Okay, all right. Well, we'll start with Jason, and if we can't t- trip knows Tony too, so we can maybe push it all up.
0: right sounds like a good plan <laughs> all right Tom. well this was a blast um like i
1: yeah it's fine man it's fine yeah well,
0: well you. thank you and um trip like i said has said a million kind things about you and um yeah one, one of he's, more, he's pretty gracious <laughs> well one, one of the things that he's that he has repeatedly said about you is that uh you're a man of great wisdom and uh i think that that uh shine through uh, very much during our conversation today, and um, I'm grateful to to get to know you. And you, have, you know, yeah. you can take this up with Trip. But if I ever bother you in the future, it's Trip's fault because now you have to deal with me. And uh, but <laughs> that,
1: that's, that's that's no bother. I'll have to add rethink to my podcast Ah, there
0: we here. go. All right, sounds yep. like a plan. All right, Todd, well, thank you so much, and All listeners, right. as always, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, be easy, guys, and uh, go in peace.